Welcome to Frontline Voices on Disaster Response, sponsored by Verizon. Now, J.J. Green. Jason, on December, I think it was 10th, 2021, a violent EF4 tornado, which began in northwest Tennessee and just, just roared across western Kentucky, left destruction and death for miles. Verizon has a significant footprint in that region. Start us off by telling how that F4, EF4 or tornado impacted your operations. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, a, an unusual time for any type of tornadic activity, um, you know, December, you know, it's, we don't think of that as being a time that we're going to be affected with uh, any type of weather that's going to cause any damage. You know, generally it's going to be um, uh, freeze, snow, you know, blizzards, uh, bomb cyclones, you know, you name it. Uh, but yeah, this was one that kind of creeped up on us. Uh, again, an unusual time, but not only was it unusual, but it was such a large tornado. So it's it's a it's a high EF4 tornado, um, kind of produced, uh, you know, and named by the National Weather Service. You know, it was on the ground for nearly three hours, um, tracking 160 miles in total. Um, what was what was so bad about this was the areas that were hit were were very rural in nature anyway. So you know, if if we had infrastructure or if a power company had infrastructure, you know, if that one um, instance went out, there wasn't a lot of, uh, of uh, you know, backup. So, um, you know, the widespread power outages that occurred from that in the multiple cities across the state, across the different towns, two, two different states were actually affected. So um, another thing that really was, uh, you know, really kind of harmful here was it was a night tornado. So those are the ones that are always the worst because you can't really look up in the sky and see uh, the path. You can't really see the damage, what's going on. So you really have to wait till the morning. So that's really what uh, what what occurred on that night. As it hit, um, you know, quite a bit of infrastructure was affected, whether it be landline um, through our our, our telco, telco providers, uh, whether it's our infrastructure, uh, our existing towers. You know, we've seen towers that looks like someone reached up and kind of pulled to the ground. So you know, the job of the uh, the Verizon Crisis Response Team in this case was to quickly. Uh, rapidly deploy into the area to get mission critical communications back up using our frontline technology. Okay, so for a minute, just talk about that unusual nature of that storm. How did that inform your procedures moving forward for the next time? Yeah, so you know, we always say uh, well, there's a couple things we don't do in our team, and that's use the uh, the word, and I guess I can use it here, but the word quiet or slow. Um, you know, and every every response uh, that we we kind of respond to is, is different. Um, you know, it could be something uh, as as bad as Hurricane Ida, where it wasn't only just the South that was affected, but as it kind of hopped through the United States all the way up through Maine, we had multiple regions. You know, a lot of people hear about the damage from Hurricane Laura, Hurricane Ida. Uh, down in, in Louisiana area, but they really don't think about okay, what did it do to West Virginia? You know, we had we had communities that were that were uh, underwater because of that same storm, and and the same is true for tornadoes. You know, a tornado just doesn't go to the ground, stay on the ground uh, in a straight path, right? So it, it's going to bounce around, it's going to it's going to hit the ground, go back up, hopefully uh, not uh, become stronger, but in a lot of cases it does, and that's what we saw here. You know, the 160 miles that we saw, it actually started in Arkansas. Uh, bounced around for a little bit, came down, slapped into Kentucky, uh, affected Tennessee as well. And, you know, when we deploy into those areas, we all have, always have to be, you know, uh, cognizant of our, our safety as well. We have safety officers on our teams 
that kind of, uh, you know, keep us in check and make sure we're not driving over power lines. We're not going into areas that potentially could be flooded. Um, you know, and, and again, because this hit at night in such an unusual time, um, you know, we had we had folks that were, were having to wait till the next morning to deploy or if they were getting closer to that location, you know, it was it was something they still had to wait and see what the damage was. So, you know, our team has drone capabilities uh, we're able to put up and, and, and get situational awareness, 3D mapping, um, you know, and, and provide that to the Joint Operations Center or FEMA. Uh, but in this case, it was just so early that we couldn't do that. So we always look, we, um, our team performs what we call after action reviews or AARs. Um, and that really, we, we look at our strengths, our, witness, our, our weaknesses, and just kind of say, okay, what worked well? Um, what didn't work well? And how can we improve for the next one? Yeah, you know, you are the communications agent that a lot of people across the country and arguably, I guess, in the world rely on. How were your communications and technology uh, impacted your ability to communicate during and after the storm? Sure. Great question. Yeah. And we, we look at multiple items of communication. So, you know, we like to, to rely on, on the, uh, the nation's largest 4G and, and now 5G network, Verizon. Um, but a lot of times it, we're going to be in rural areas that may either not uh, may not have a, uh, an operating license, may not be, um, you know, a, a Verizon territory, if you will. Um, and, and even if it is, it could be, you know, to the point where infrastructure is so heavily damaged that, uh, you know, the cell network is out. So we rely heavily on, uh, on WPS, which is wireless priority service. Um, it, it's something that the public safety officials have access to as well. And we, we highly encourage them to make sure they have that on their account. Uh, it's put in place by, through a, a accreditation and, and coordination with uh, DHS. Uh, but it allows them to get priority service over your, your normal person. So it doesn't take priority over a 911 service if someone needs to make that call. But it gives our first responders, our fire, uh, our police, our, our, our EMA, and our, our, our you know, kind of emergency services personnel the priority to talk above the, the normal folks. And I always like to say, you know, uh, with priority and preemption, if you've got a bus that holds 30 people and you're number 31, if you got the right credentials, you get to kick somebody off, right? And um, yeah. that's really what gives us the ability to, uh, to communicate. But uh, again, that doesn't work if the cellular networks are down. So we rely heavily on satellite technology. Um, we've got some ham operators in our, in our, uh, in, on our teams as well. Uh, we're actually, uh, we utilize across Verizon, a GMRS licensed network as well. So, you know, think of a, a walkie talkie that gives you a little bit further, um, but, and, and sat phones. So, you know, uh, if we're driving down the road, if we're going into an area, uh, we will always look into our phones. We use a, an, an internal program that kind of gives us a status of what the network is, is currently, uh, you know, looking like. And, and if we see something where we need to pull uh, our satellite technology, our satellite phones, we will do that for us. So, um, and then, of course, when we're on site, the, um, you know, the, the, the first mission or the priority mission of our charter is to provide those mission critical communications for those public safety agencies in their communities. And so we pull behind us uh, an item we call a SPOT, and it's a satellite PICO on a trailer, S-P-O-T. Uh, and that quickly uh, allows us to stand up infrastructure uh, utilizing satellite backhaul uh, for, for those folks that may need it. Uh, I'll give you an example. We pulled into Mayfield uh, at, at there was a candle factory, highly, you know, all over the news, a candle factory that was just leveled. Yes. Um, yeah. So actively, uh, you know, search and rescue. You've got uh, canine. You've got, you know, Indiana Task Force One, Ohio Task Force One that's deployed 
to this area to assist because again Mayfield's not a, it's, it's, a, it's a small community you don't have that large metropolitan emergency service so you've got Louisville that's responding in Lexington you've got all these large metro areas that are sending their folks down there um, and there's no communication so you know we, we we pride ourselves on being able to quickly deploy into any major metropolitan area within three to four to five hours uh, depending upon the location but you know, we're able to quickly get in there utilizing our spot trailer technology and create not only Verizon frontline technology, but also Wi-Fi as well. So, Okay. So um, two more quick questions. Um, characterize the importance of coordinating with uh, federal, state, and local partners, you as a member of the private sector. Characterize the importance of communicating with FEMA and the other downstream agencies before an event happens? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's very important. And we refer to uh, two types of events, or when I wake up in the morning, it's either gonna be a blue sky day uh, or a dark sky day. And a dark sky day generally is where we, we shine and we get out there and we respond. And, you know, we, we go hours, uh, you know, driving to get someplace to provide those, those communications. But the blue sky days are just as important, if not more important. Um, you know, that's generally what we'll, we'll, we'll kind of tell the story of, of our capabilities and our charter, and we'll let folks know exactly what we're capable of providing for them, um, but we'll work very closely with them as well. So we work very closely with FEMA. We're on uh, all the region RECWIG calls. Um, we actually have a drill that uh, we're getting ready to plan right now uh, where we actually go out and, and set up a scenario and, and, and kind of react to that. And then and Patriot 21 is a great example of some blue sky activity. Patriot 21 last year at Fort McCoy allowed us to kind of insert ourselves uh, as, a, as, as a team to provide those communications as if a large event was, was really happening. So during that event, we, we, we simulated a train derailment, uh, nuclear biological attack, um, you know, cyber attacks, uh, flooding, um, terrorist attacks. So we, we actually simulate those. So when the real event does happen, hopefully it never does, but when it does happen, um, you know, we're able to respond and we can kind of fall back on our training. So, you know, a big part of what we do with the, uh, with, with the, the, the DOD partners, you know, is, is, is training, is that blue, blue sky preparation so we can then quickly mitigate any, any kind of problems that, problems that pop up. Um, you know, our team collectively 255 years of, of law enforcement, firefighting, military experience, and that's out of 21 people. Um, so that, that's, that's definitely some, some great numbers. I've got active firefighters on my team. Uh, I'm, I'm retired out of law enforcement myself. So when we respond, we, we quickly are able to embed ourselves in with those agencies and not have to worry about being, uh, you know, uh, be, being given the respect uh, you know, for, that only comes with time. You know, we can show our credentials. We can show our ESF2 partnerships, our ICS certifications we've got from DHS. And it really kind of creates that bond that allows us to quickly uh, and effectively provide that charter that we have. Okay, last thing. Um, it's my understanding that your response to this event is still going on. Uh, this is an ongoing event. Is that correct? And can you just briefly characterize what's happening? Sure, yeah. And and with any type of long-term event uh, with, with such damage as we had here, I mean, I, even going back to day four, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, okay, the network's back up. And so we're starting to roll out, and then oh, guess what? One of the uh, the landline, as they were they were uh, you know kind of cleaning up an area, removing some of that debris. Someone with a chainsaw went a little bit too deep in the ground, and so again, our tower fails because we were so reliable. 
uh, we're so reliant on that that uh, that local telco landline. So you know, we we immediately deployed uh, our spot trailer again, and I ended up sleeping in the spot trailer that night uh, to make sure we had we had coverage for them. Um, you know, but to, to, but to really look at something like that, I mean, we're still seeing effects on, uh, you know, the Nashville bombing. We're still seeing effects from Hurricane Ida in some of these communities. So anything like that that has such a big, uh, you know, a big presence, uh, you know, 160 mile EF4 tornado on the ground for nearly three hours, that's going to that's going to create some long-term uh, disturbances in, in, in the chain. So, yeah, so our, our network team is consistently in the area, making sure that those, those towers have the macro adjustments to fine-tune them, to get them back to where they were with those powerful storm uh, and, and winds. Um, you know, also, we still have devices that we, have, that we loan out. So our team actually provides not only uh, network infrastructure, but also handheld devices, uh, cradle point or, or you know, uh, LTE routers, if you will, and um, those are for Red Cross shelters to support the folks that are displaced. They're for EOCs that may have to be stood up, you know, in the middle of nowhere in a tent. Uh, our team also provides, uh, you know, we've, we've got a, a mission critical tent that we can provide for shelter for, OC, for uh, an EOC to be stood up. But, um, you know, and even just going back to just the flip phones, you know, being able to provide a phone for someone or for a smaller department that may not have the budget for that. Uh, and by the way, all the things that we do, that my team does, we don't charge for that. That's something that we feel that we have a, a societal responsibility to take care of and, and support the first responders, support those that, that, that support us. Um, so even to this day, we've still got devices that are down there being utilized uh, by those folks so they can get back to norm. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time here today. Um, look forward to um, perhaps engaging again sometime. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Frontline Voices on Disaster Response, sponsored by Verizon on WTOP.